Hello. We're so excited to share this teaching message with you from Sikamo Church, Ibado, Nigeria. We believe God knows you and loves you, and through his word, he expresses his plans and purposes for your life. We hope that you open up your heart and really sense God speak to you through this message from our pastor, Tolulokwe Mudi. Let's get right into the service and be blessed by this message. Hey, good morning, church. Let's stay standing, everybody. Um, we're going to pray together and ask God to speak to us. So good to have you in church this morning. Whoever you are, it's good that you get to be with us this morning. If you're new or visiting in Sycamore Church, big welcome. We're so glad that, you know, you got to be with us this morning. And, um, of course, just big shout out to everybody who gets to call Sycamore Church home. Um, it's such a privilege and that we never take for granted that we get to gather every one of these Sunday mornings and, you know, be together, whether in the building or... Or online. I'm excited about what I'm going to share with you this morning. I'm really trusting God to make it real. But let's just pray together, everybody, everywhere. If you're online, stand up where you are. Let's pray together um, this morning. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. And we thank you, Lord God, because you're reaching us. You're speaking to us. Matter of fact, why don't you hold out your hands where you are? And God, I pray this morning that you give us a word that is so simple that we would understand. And let it be so profound that it will make a mark in our lives forever. Do something incredible by the power of your word today. And we thank you for it, God. We give you the glory. Thank you for this new month. Thank you for the amazing things that are ahead of us. Thank you that the Premiership season starts this month and that Liverpool would win. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Say hi to two people around you and be seated um, this morning. So good to be in church. Um, you know, and starting out a new month, um, man, it's August already. And um, I just want to maybe speak around that space this morning. Um, I have a real simple message that I'm trusting God is going to make real to you um, this morning. So I, for a question, I'm just going to ask this morning, how's the fight going? How is, how's the fight going? Um, here we are, it's August already. Um, and, you know, maybe as we start a new month, you look at yourself like just being in the middle of a fight, being in the middle of a push, um, what it's been like the whole year through and, you know, where we are. You know, when it's August, it already feels like ember, like it's just right on us and that feels like the year is almost over. Um, and my question this morning is how, how is the fight going? Um, why don't you just help me ask somebody around you, um, sitting around you and say, how's the fight going? How is the fight going? Um, how are you doing in the fight? How are you doing in this thing called um, um, a fight, a life, you know, standing up to it every day? Um, maybe, maybe cracking a joke would help you ease off in the fight. Um, so let me just give you a good joke. It's a new month, so let me give you a quick joke. Um, I just kind of noticed that when I go to Nigerian events, um, weddings and parties and all of that, and even visiting Nigerian families, I just notice people waste food a lot. You know, there's just a lot of wastage, you know. You just see wastage. People don't finish their food. Um, and so I kind of got an idea that all we need to do is go to Finland and um, bring a cook from Finland so that he would cook finished food and people would finish food. Fantastic. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's get into, in, into this, right? Have you, have you ever been like in a fight and you were like beaten up? You were beaten up black and blue. Um, I remember having a classmate in secondary school who would get into these fights and, you know, every time when the fight is over, he would be arguing that he was the one that won and all of that. But it was always funny because he, I don't know whether his body was just so sensitive, but he, he takes blows. So, you know, he, he just gets these blows and they have such strong effects on his body. And so typically maybe he has a swollen mouth or a swollen head. But I remember the day with a swollen mouth, he was like, I won, won, won and all of that, right? Um, have you been in a fight where you were just beaten? Like it just messed you up and all of that. And I wonder if that's like the picture you even have of just 
been in this fight called life. You know, waking up to it every day, standing up to the responsibilities in front of you, you know, building your work, um, your career, doing school, whatever you're doing, a business, you know, raising a family. Um, do you feel like I'm in a fight where I'm even just being beaten? Like, I'm, I'm hardly even just keeping my head above the water. Um, the truth is, it can be tiring sometimes just doing life. Um, just watching the sequence and you know the thing with life is you don't even get the opportunity to be like you know in a boxing fight you know where you've taken a few blows you're like wait 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 let me just have a break let me have a break and then let me recalibrate and all of that um, but the thing with life is that you know you just have to keep waking up um, you don't take a break from waking up one more day um, you don't take a break from you know it's just it's just the sequence that we are in and and in some ways it can honestly get tiring um, there are four things that I want to you know just ask you today that um maybe in some way would put the spotlight on where you are in the fight and maybe you're doing real good right now maybe you are really coasting um and all of that that's really incredible and that's really good and i hope that my four questions today will just you know put some perspective to all that's going on because you see god actually calls us to a fight god does call us to a fight um listen to 1 timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 paul is writing to timothy and he said look fight the good fight of the faith take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You know, God calls us to a fight. God, God calls us to, to be fighting what he calls a good fight. Like, you know what? This, this thing is real. It's a fight. Like, you know, it's not just about lazing around and dragging your feet. Like, God says, like, it's real. It's a fight. You know, and he says, fight the good fight um, of faith. Again, in 1 Timothy 1 and 18, Paul is saying, this child I commit to you, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare you know warfare like man that's that's real um and that's what we are called to um so maybe maybe it has really been a long year for you um but the truth is i don't want to be in one of those like you know messy fights um bible calls it a good fight it calls it good warfare um you've probably seen messy fights right um, um i'm not being gender insensitive but you know there's definitely a difference between ladies fighting and, and men fighting you know ladies there's just that slapping slapping you know kind of a thing right um the guy has broken the bottle and you know he you know you get what i'm saying you know it's it's um it's it's blood you know kind of a fight i don't want to be in a messy fight i want to be in a good fight um, um maybe you've seen animals fighting and i wonder what is your coolest you know animal fight you know there's some animal fights that are just irritating like chickens just flapping and raising dust that's annoying you know but there's some animals that fight and it's it's really sleek it's cool you know like snakes fighting you know like it's it's cool <laughs> you know um, um but but let's just put a spotlight on our fights today and, and check out where we are so the first thing i'm going to ask is are you still fighting with perspective are you still fighting with perspective so um you should have figured out who your best neighbor is now so turn to your neighbor and say are you still fighting with perspective are you still fighting with perspective you see there is wisdom of perspective just just the big question of how do you see the fight it's one thing to be in the fight but it's another thing to be saying how do i see the fight and I hope the things I'm sharing with you today would, would help you just in standing in front of the mirror and, you know, maybe evaluating your push and maybe it's, maybe it's just, you know, family life, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's your job, what, you know, whatever it is really, whatever you are doing. But the question is, are you doing it with perspective? Are you fighting with perspective? 
You see, we need the wisdom of perspective. We can't afford to just, you know, go by the judgment of what is in front of our eyes. Let me put it to you this way. You know, the truth is we see um, with our eyes, you would think, but no, we, we just see through our eyes. We're actually seeing with perspective. We're seeing with our hearts. We're seeing with vision. And I'll tell you what I'm saying. You know, you know when you look at something, if I, if I hold this up and I say, um, you know, what's the size of this? You know, if you're good with paper sizing, this is an A4 sheet and all of that. Um, but the truth is, wherever you are watching this, wherever you are right now, you are not seeing an A4 size. Um, if you're watching on a mobile phone, you are seeing something smaller than the screen of your mobile phone. If you are watching on a church screen, you are seeing something bigger, you know, than an A4 size, right? Um, but the, the point is, you are judging it because you are looking at it with perspective. So you are not just talking about what you are seeing literally with your eyes. You are making a judgment and an evaluation of perspective. And what I'm trying to say to you today, friends, is that many times in the face of the battle, there would be what is right in front of your eyes. But the question is, what is your perspective of it? We need the wisdom of perspective. And I'm asking, are you still seeing this battle with perspective? I know right in front of your eyes might be hits, there might be blows, there might be effort you're putting in, there might be consistency, there might be inter, you know, diligence and standing up to every one more day and waking up again and going to bed. It might look like that with your eyes. But the question is, what do you see with perspective? Um, you know, we need perspective about the battle. We need perspective about waking up every day. We need perspective about putting in effort to life. We need perspective about building relationships. We need perspective about, you know, standing every one more day, keeping our ground. And we need perspective. And my question is, you know, just as you've lived in the intensity of another year, and here we are, and it's the eighth month of the August, yeah, eighth month of the year. Here we are. The question is, do you still have perspective? And when I start to say perspective, I'm thinking about how Hagar is, you know, just sitting down in the wilderness. The Bible says in, uh, in Genesis 21, and she's sitting down in the wilderness, and the Bible says that her water is dried up, and all of that is going on. And, and the Bible says that Hagar is in a very sad place. She's crying, and she's saying she doesn't want to watch her child die. And, you know, just those points you get to in life where things are just not working and all of that. But the Bible says these words that as she began to cry that an angel of the Lord came and opened her eyes and she suddenly saw that she was crying that she's dying of thirst but she saw that there was a well right beside her. And you know perspective will change things. Um, suddenly somebody who said I'm dying just needed to know that there is, yes there's a story of where you're coming from and the bitterness of Sarah and the hatred and all of that, all of that, that kicked you out. But Hagar, listen, um, do you know that there is more around you and ahead of you than what is behind you? perspective will tell you that um in your sight it may look like what is behind me is what is huge but i'm saying to everybody today do you know that there's more around you and ahead of you than what is behind you do you know that perspective would show you that there is more around you and ahead of you than what is behind you i pray you would wake up every day with that kind of perspective remembering it that there is more around me and ahead of me than what is behind me there's more there's more. There's more. Listen, David shows up to battle in 1 Samuel 17, and I'll talk a bit about David fighting Goliath, and I'm sure you know the story. If you don't know the story, that's pitiful. I'm sure you know the story of David fighting Goliath. And David shows up to battle, and we think a lot about David just showing up and fighting Goliath. But I'll show you what. Do you know that David didn't just show up to fight Goliath? In fact, David didn't just see himself fighting against Goliath. Perspective would show you it's not really about what you're fighting against. It's about what you're fighting for. 
And so in 1 Samuel chapter 17, when you read from verse 26, David actually started to ask. He said, wait, I know there's this giant and all of that, but David asked this question. He says, what will be done for the man who is able to take out this guy? What will be done? Let's evaluate it. What will be done? And so they began to tell David, you know, that his family will be exempted from tax and all of that, all of that. And they added the, the good one. That's the one that I think really got David's mind that he's going to get the king's daughter. That David, I mean, just promise David a woman. That's, that's David's stuff. And, and, they, and, and David heard it. He heard the promise. And then in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 29, David says these words, Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? David would tell you as he walked into the battle, You see me fighting against Goliath, but I see myself fighting for the cause. Is there not a cause? Perspective, we need the cause. We need to set the cause in front of us. We can't afford to just see this as a battle of what we're fighting against and you know what we're get, trying to get by and all of that. We, we see this as a cause that we are standing up to, not just something we're standing up against. Perspective, we need perspective of the promise, not just of the pain and the pressure. We need perspective of the promise. Is there not a cause? You know, what if you go back every day to the same things and the same things in your sight, but perspective tells you there is a cause? Um, what if it, what, wouldn't that be different if you are waking up every day just with that mindedness of, is there not a cause? Um, we need perspective of the promise because that is what will keep it as a good fight. When Paul writes to Timothy, he says, fight the good fight of the faith. Fight the good fight of the faith. We are called to fight a good fight, not just a miserable fight, not a messed up chicken fight. We are called to fight a good fight. What makes it a good fight? Listen, he says, take hold of eternal life. It's a good fight because of what we're laying hold of. It's perspective of the promise that is ahead of us that makes it a good fight. Um, it would be a messed up fight if we're just fighting against but it's a good fight when we remember that, you know what, we're taking hold of. We're laying hold of. Um, there's a cost that we're showing up to. And I pray we won't forget this. I pray the enemy will not rob us of perspective. There's a cost that we're showing up to. Um, there's a cost that we're standing up to. Um, Jesus says in John 18 and verse 37, Jesus going through the motions of life and everything, he just suddenly says those words, for this cost I was born. What if you were just full of perspective of cost? Of course, you know, we live in Africa and maybe all you think about is curse. It's just, you know, curse from your village, curse from, you know, curse from. But, but calm down. What if you were just thinking about curse? Because maybe you've been hearing me say curse and you're thinking of curse, right? Um, what if you were just mindful of curse? What if you had perspective of curse? Um, why don't you look at somebody and say curse over curse? Curse. Sort it out, right? What if you were just mindful that there is a curse? There's a curse that we are called to. There's a cost that we're standing up to. It says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to this, you'll get this now. It says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shape. Do you see that pattern? That there's a joy that is set before him. So he endures the cross and he's despising the shame of the cross. Um, we need to have that mindedness of a cost. When we show up in volunteering in church and serving and, you know, just being together, I think we must be minded that there is a cause. There's something God is doing in the earth that we get to be a part of. There's something that we get to be connected to. There's something that we get to be putting our strength in. There is a cause. There's a promise of God over this state that we are showing up to. I pray we're not going to be blinded to the cause. Well, how are you doing in the fight? How are you doing with perspective? Are you still fighting with perspective? 
As Christians, we can't afford to lose that sense of a cost. As a family raising, you know, leading a family, raising a home and building a home and all of that, you can't afford to lose perspective of the cost. You can't afford to just think that, you know, maybe, maybe there's even stuff going on between you and your spouse or, you know, your relationship and all of that. You know, I pray you will not reduce it to a fight against, but I pray it will be a fight for. It's not a fight against anybody. It's a fight for peace. It's a fight for love. It's a fight for a home that our children will grow up in and be raised to know God and to be mighty men in the earth. It's, it's a fight for something and it's in that cause that we find the right perspective to live. Um, it's a fight for. It's a fight for. It's not even a fight against. It's first of all a fight for. Um, our fight is first of all about what we are fighting for. It's as an implication of what we are fighting for that we fight against. Um, we show up because there is a cost. There is a cost. There is um, a cost. So um, that's my first question for you today. Are you still fighting with perspective? The second thing I'm going to ask you today is, are you still fighting with the story? Are you still fighting with the story i just want to say you know what uh, wherever you are right now and it's the first of august 2021 praise god but do you know what there's a story that is leading you up here there's a story that brought you here there's a story you're riding on that brought you here and the story is not coincidental the story is deliberate in god's scheme the story is a part of the fight that you're standing in today and i pray today that the enemy is not robbing you of the story that you stand in my question today is are you still fighting with the story because you see when david shows up to fight Goliath, and there's all of that going on and there's Goliath and there's the giant and Israel you know the whole army they're freaking out and they're peeing on their pants and you know just freaked out and all of that David shows up but listen to David in th verse 34 first Samuel 17 David says to Saul your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock I went out after it and I struck it and I delivered the lamb from its mouth and when it arose against me I caught it by its beard and I struck it and killed it you almost get the impression that David is just a talkative guy but watch where he's going he says your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living god moreover david said the lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and of the paw of the bear he will deliver me from the hand of this philistine um you know what david is doing he's showing you that the story that i stand in and bringing me here is not just a sequence of events it is a statement of God. The story that I stand in is not just a sequence of events that I walk through. It is a statement of who God is. And I pray today that we are still fighting with the story. Don't show up in August without a story of all that has already happened. Don't show up to start a new month without a story of a statement of who God is to you. Don't show up into a new season of your life and leave the story of what's behind. No, the story that you have walked through is a statement of God. And David would tell you that, you know what, friends, the story is not just historic. The story is prophetic. The story is not just about my history. The story is creating something about my future. You think it's just a story of lions and of bears and of what happened. But David is telling you it's a story of Goliath and what will happen. He gets implicated in the story because I can look back over my shoulder. Then I can look forward about who God is to me. I can make a statement because of the story. I just want to say today, the story is not just saying what God did. The story is saying what God does. The story is not just about what has happened. The story is about what will happen. Fighting with the power of your story. But, but this is how you would do it. Now listen, maybe you're saying that you're like, because you don't know my story. It's all messed up. You don't know the mistakes I made. You don't know what went wrong. And you know, David can say that. I mean, if I killed lions, I would also say that, you know. But maybe you just need to learn how to get the story right. 
Um, maybe you've gotten the story wrong. Let me tell you what, you know David could show up and, you know, after coming through the lion thing and all of that, um, and, and you say, David, what happened? <laughs> David will just tell you, that, you know, this life, one has to just be prayerful. You know, I escaped to, ah, the lion. Ha, huh, I saw it, but I escaped. And David will tell you about how people are wicked. His father left him alone with the lions. And they all went and they were all chilling. They hate me. They don't like me. They left me with the lions. And even after the first one happened, they still left me. The bears came. I told them that and they didn't, they didn't take precaution. And this life is just dangerous. It's miserable. It's messed up. I don't even know what my chances are. Yesterday was a lion. Maybe tomorrow I will not be lucky enough to escape. And it's the same sequence of events. And he would be telling that story. Um, maybe we really just need to learn to get the story right. Because many of you have walked through situations and you've walked through things and you made it a story about people. You made it a story about what they did to you. You made it a story about, you know, the person that broke your heart, the person that let you down, the person that, you know, wasn't there for you. It was just a story about people. Um, but here's how you get the story right, when you realize that it's really a statement about God. And so it's not a story about people that let you down. It's a story of a God who held you up. It's not a story of people that walked out on you and left you alone. It's a story of a God who didn't leave you alone. Never did he leave you alone. Never did he forsake you. It's not a story of your lowest times. It's a story of a God who brought you up from your lowest times. It's not a story of the heartbreak you suffered. It's a story of a God who held your heart together. You could have lost your mind. You could have lost your sanity. It's a story of a God who was merciful, who was kind, who was faithful. And he would always be because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday to today and forever. I pray that you're not just going to walk through such powerful stories and just think about it in the light of the people, what they did, what they didn't do. But I pray that as you're walking through the stories of life, maybe this year you look at it and you say, man, all the things that I thought would have happened by now have not happened. And it's a disappointing story. But listen, even as everything did not happen, here you are alive and breathing and well and hopeful because it's a story of a God who is ever faithful. Um, it's not a story of them. It's a story of him. It's not, it's, David is telling you, it's not even a story of lions and of bears. It's a story of a God who is deliverer. It's not a story of Philistines. It's not a story of Goliath. It's a story of God who is deliverer. And I just want to say, get the story right. It's not a story about dangers. It's a story about God who is a protector. It's not a story about, um, you know, the evils, the arrows that fly by night. It's a story of a God who is your keeper. He can keep you from this. He can keep you from that. He keeps you in everything. And it doesn't matter the variables. And there you are. You're thinking, man, I think maybe something happened two years ago. But I think that guy was just particularly kind and, and all of that. No, it's a story of God who is provider. It's a story about God. And if you would find a God statement in that story, um, that's how you can get the story right. Um, so two things about the story, fighting with the story. One, just getting the story right. Um, just knowing that it's a statement about God. Um, you, you see in scripture there's this principle that I like about selective memory um, the, the power of selective memory you know when somebody has selective memory when you're trying to say but you are there now you saw everything and he tells you I, I can't remember but I remember the details I want to see I mean you see that a lot even in, in law courts when you bring a witness and there's that part of it the story and then he's, he's like yes this yes this and then you said and he just said no I can't remember and I can't remember so it's like I choose not to remember what do you want to do I say I can't remember I, I, I cannot remember, you know. But, but you know, Scripture tells us about the power of selective remembrance. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 9, um, it says, Remember the former things. You're like, ah, 
But because in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, Isaiah 43, verse 18 says, remember not the former things. And so just when you're like, yes, I don't remember that, Isaiah 46, verse 9 says, remember the former things. You're wondering, am I to remember or not to remember? Remember the statement of God in the former things. So you're not remembering what they did and how that, no, no, come on, get beyond that. But remember who God was to you. Remember, selective remembrance. Remember who God was to you. Remember a God statement out of what you walked through. Not the pain, not the bitterness, not the hatred, not the scheming. That's, that's not healthy for your heart. But remember who God is to you until all that you walk through. And so first of all, just the power of getting the story right. And secondly, the power of recounting the story. Recount the story. Um, fight with the story. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Recount the story. When last you just, I don't know if that happens to you, but you just pick up those old journals and you're just like, woof, this is like, wow. Do you know the truth about what it will tell you? You've been here before. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to know I've been here before. Uh, maybe right now you're facing huge need and you're feeling like, yeah, 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 calm down. You've been here before. You have faced need before. And like this one is bigger, but God was always provider. You've been here before, right? That's, that's, it's a good day for it to be a bigger need so that God can be a bigger provider. You've been here before. You've been here before. Recount the story. Begin to recount it. It's a principle that is laid through all of scripture that God will teach the Israelites that, you know what? Set up your life and your family in such a way. God will teach them. You're going to have dinner with your children. You're going to take these stones and build all that so that your children will ask you and say, what is this? And then you will begin to recount about how the Lord delivered you out of the land of Egypt and on and on. And you will tell those stories. Recount the story. There's power in recounting the stories. It's not being a talkative. It's recounting it because you're fighting a battle. These are the weapons. You're fighting a battle. You're standing up to life every day. I don't want to stand up to face a new month without shouting about how God has been faithful. That's the power of our praise and worship. That's why it's so beautiful when you get into church and, you know, we can just begin to sing of who Jesus is to us and of his faithfulness and what he has done. Do you know what we're doing? We're recounting a story and by the power of what we're remembering, we're advancing. By the power of what is behind us, we're stepping into what is ahead of us. Recount the story. We've been here before. We've been here before. <laughs> you know, we have been here before. Um, and, and if walking through this before is not giving us stronger faith for what is ahead, then that means we missed the point of the story. We've been here before. Um, the third thing I'm going to say this morning, um, number one, I have just said the power. Are you, are you still fighting with perspective? Number two, are you still fighting with the story? Um, number three, are you still fighting with your company? Are you still fighting with your company? Um, as I was thinking about that this morning, I was, I was thinking about how, you know, maybe you grew up in a face me, I face you kind of apartment. And, you know, um, the thing with the face me, I face you is that, um, and maybe you're like, what's face me, I face you? Calm down. I'll tell you, right? Do the face me, I face you is that, you know, you, you kind of have your personal room, your personal space and all of that, but there's a lot of shared um, space you know there's a shared walkway there's a shared probably toilet there's a shared maybe kitchen shared um, interest you know shared you have a common voice you know there's you know because you have to have one voice in, in regard to stuff you know there's just there's mutuality that's 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 what i would say there's mutuality there is um there is my me uh, my place but there's mutuality um and as i was thinking about that Quite honestly, I couldn't find a better way of explaining what I mean by fighting with your company than saying, um, you know, in the battle of your faith, um, you need a faith me, I faith you. Um, um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it makes sense in my mind. Um, we need a faith me, I faith. Faith, 
Faith me, I faith you. Faith me, I faith you. Like, we need that mutuality of faith. We need that kind of, you know, common ground. Like, yes, it's my faith and, I, and, and it's mine and I know I have my own, you know, and, and all of that. But there's just this thing about mutuality. There's this thing about how the rhythms of our faith comes into its strength when there is company, you know. Are you still fighting with company? I, I don't know what it's like for you this morning being in church, but, but I know how I long for Sunday mornings. I know how I long for gatherings. I know how I long to just be with my people. I know how I long to just be with family and you know what it's my faith just finds fresh rhythms my faith just finds that freshness to its rhythms and you know what it's all about that mutuality and yeah i have my personal devotion and yes i have you know my journey that i'm walking and all of that but there's just something about mutuality um i really think we need to rediscover the power of a faith may i faith you um you know just that kind of common space and common strength and what have you um you know whether it's in been in a life group and community and all of that um uh, whether it's in just showing up in a connect um and there's just so much that happens in church family there's just so much that happens around and you know christian friends and just that shoulder to lean over to um uh, but i'll tell you the truth that I, I don't ever want to be doing these battles without the power of my company i don't want to be doing life and showing up to it every day just as you know i just live i'm just isolated on an island you know kind of a thing man i i need a faith me i faith you help me look at somebody and say i need a faith me i faith you um I need, I need a faith in me, I faith you. Um, right? Um, we're not alone in this. Um, I need people that I can lean over. The mutuality of inspiration. Sometimes you just need to be inspired. Um, sometimes you just need to be strengthened and inspired. And, you know, just find that spark about doing what we do. Um, you know, um, this, this coming weekend, we're going to gather again as volunteers in our church. And, you know, we need that mutuality it's just how we just find the rhythms of you know what we're together in this thing um there's there's just that power of mutuality um and let me just start to land this morning um I've, I've said to you um are you still fighting with perspective and um i've said are you still fighting with the story and i've said are you still fighting with your company um you know at some point moses your hands are going to get tired you need an aaron and a her you need it um, it's not about you being spiritual. Um, it was God who, you know, you know, in Genesis, God was creating and he was saying, it is good, it is good, light is good, and all of that. Then God himself said in his own creation, it is not good. So only one thing in creation that God said, it is not good. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Um, that's, 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 that's astounding. And you think about that, yes, that's why I believe in for a life partner. Yeah, but God was talking about a principle. I, I, the, the, just this thing of a man being alone and Adam had all of God it wasn't about being spiritual or not it was just about the rhythms with, it, what, with which God created us that we need mutuality um, and I pray that you are discovering that in a deeper way um, here's how I'm going to be closing my fourth point this morning and I'll, I'll land in just a moment my fourth point this morning as you look at the fight and all that this is is are you still fighting in the name of Jesus are you still fighting in the name of Jesus? Are you still fighting in the name of Jesus? And so in Matthew chapter 28, it's real powerful. Uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples from verse 18. And he said, look, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. And then he says, go therefore. Go therefore. You know why you are going? Because all authority is already given to me. That in this name I've conquered all. I've died and I've risen. And I have all power and all authority. And Jesus is saying, go therefore. So, so the reason why I'm going, the reason why he's sending me into this fight is because he already has all authority. 
And I just want to say today, you better not be fighting in any other name. You better not be fighting in the strength of your wisdom. And, you know, wisdom is beautiful and all of that. But you better be getting wisdom in the name of Jesus. You better not be fighting in the strength of who you know. It's great to know people. But at the end of the day, I pray you are knowing people in the name of Jesus. You better realize that this battle is in the name of Jesus. Are you still fighting in the name of Jesus? And we think about that many times as just, you know, the beautiful way to start a prayer and end a prayer. So it's, it's just about in Jesus' name and you know everything we want to say and then end it with in jesus name but here's what i'm i want to say to you today as i think about the fight that the name of jesus is not an incantation the name of jesus is a location the name of jesus that was given to us it's not just that fancy thing that you pull out and say 10 times and you know the, the more you say it the more powerful it works you know you apply it you know and all of that the name of jesus is not an incantation the name of jesus is a location and jesus is saying that you know what you can go in my name he's saying that my name is a strong tower the righteous run into it and they are safe it's a place when you start to think about it as a place you start to think about it as like a climate you start to think about the name of jesus as what i will do what i won't do what i would think about what i wouldn't even what I'll commit to, what I won't, how I would live, it shapes my life. It's a location. It's a place that I stand in. He calls me to stand in his name and I am fighting in his name. And guess what? All victory is in his name. That's why it's a good fight. That's why it's a good fight. That's why I can show up with hope because I'm in the name of Jesus. That's why I can show up with confidence because I am in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus can't lose. The name of Jesus can't fail. The name of Jesus has all victory. All authority in heaven and on earth is given in that name. And I'm standing in that name and there's just something powerful about fighting in the name of jesus there's something powerful about realizing that you are building your life in the name of jesus you're building relationships in the name of jesus you're building your business in the name of jesus you're building the work of your hands in the name of jesus you are going to school in the name of jesus you are putting in effort in the name of jesus there's something powerful about seeing that i'm putting in effort and committing myself and doing life in the name of jesus and i pray today you are still fighting in the name of jesus I pray today that life is not just straining you out and you are losing your ground and losing your location and there's just something wrong about fighting in a wrong location. It doesn't matter how much effort you are putting and how hard you are trying. Fighting in a wrong location is just your surest way to be losing. But when you are standing in a right location, then you are already victorious. Just be in the name of Jesus. There is already victory in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of You are already victor. That's why he calls it a good fight. It's a fixed fight. It's a fight you can't lose because you are in the name of Jesus and I pray today that we're fighting the good fight I pray today that you're not just waking up tired and going through the motions and all of that we have a savior who took that our place who went on a cross on behalf on our behalf who prayed a price that we couldn't pay who stretched himself out and gave grace and you know did it all so that we can stand in that name we can stand in that sacrifice we are standing in the name of Jesus and as you think about that this morning maybe you think about you know, just how somebody can show up and show up in the name of, 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 of an officer, of, of, of a president, and he can come and, you know, I came to represent the president, so I came in the name of the president. And you, you see, the truth is, everything we're going to afford the president, if he was here, you know, we would accord, we would accord this person who came in his name. If we were going to, you know, stone the president, we would stone this guy. If we were going, you know, I'm not saying any president, right? Uh, if we were going to, you know, um, regard the president, we would regard this guy. Because he's coming in the name of the president. And what I'm saying is that, you know, you can do life in the name of Jesus. 
you can do life in the name of Jesus. Right? The, the guy who is coming in the name of the president is not just going to say nonsense. He's going to talk the way the president, he's going to talk the mind of the president. He's going to stand for what the president stands for. And he's going to come with the backing of the president. He comes with the authority of the president. He comes with, with the backing, with the, you know, with the grace that the president carries. Do you know you can do your life in the name of Jesus? And today I just want to remind you, you know, that is what it means to be a Christian. And everybody in life can wake up and be going through the motions of we're all just in a fight. We're all just trying to, you know, push it through this year and, you know, see how things come and all of that. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's the narrative in the world. And it might look like the same things. Like you're also working a job. You're also doing stuff. But I pray today you are doing it in the name of Jesus. I pray today that you are realizing that I'm doing all of this just not just through the motions, not just as activities. Um, but it is Jesus who said all authority and he said go, um, that I am sent in this. And so today I just want to say the name of Jesus is a cause that we stand in. It's an authority um, that we stand in. It's a location in which we stand and we are blessed. I close this morning with 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. Um, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I pray someday you're going to lean over like Paul in these valedictory moments I pray you're going to lean over and just be able to say those words I have fought the good fight I have finished the race and I have kept the faith I pray it will be a good fight for you I pray it will be a fight filled with good perspective it will be a fight filled with a beautiful God story it will be a fight filled with the right company and it will be a fight in the name of Jesus in Jesus name would you stand with me this morning and we're going to worship in just a moment but I want you to stand with me this morning and everybody would you just say after me and say I am sent here and say I'm empowered for this I want you to see it as though you know this is my life this is the fight I'm standing in and whatever the variables are in your context right now and you're hearing those words of God saying go so would you say that say I am sent here and if you're online, I want you to type out those words and believe it. I am sent here. I am sent here. I am empowered for this. Now say, I've got the victory in this. Now say, there's reward for this. And say, I'm standing in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Now I want you to clap your hands, everybody. Let's just clap our hands and let's give God the biggest praise. Let's really thank God that we have the victory in his name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen.
Come on, can we lift our hands this morning? And say that with all your heart. With all faith. Stare those battles in the face. And say with all confidence. This is how I fight my battles. I'm not backing down. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm going one more day. I'm going one more day. I'm taking one more step. I'm going in one more day with my story, with a God perspective. In the name of Jesus, I'm not backing down. and dependence on Jesus you know maybe you're here this morning and you say you know I'm not right with Jesus I'm not right with God I don't know who you are I don't know how you came about being in service maybe you're online you're watching from anywhere but you're standing here you say yes that's me you know maybe you've even made a decision for Jesus at some point you know but you feel like I'm far I'm far from God or maybe you've never even made that decision at any point we say, yes, it's me. I'm far from I'm far from God. I'm far from Jesus. I have good news for you this morning. You see, Jesus died on that cross and was raised back to life so that we too can be forgiven of all our sins and raised back to a whole new life with him. And so, you know what? You can have that opportunity right here and now of a decision, by just a decision, to come into a whole new life with him. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with all that you are that yes, Jesus died for my sin and he was raised to life. And we're going to give you that opportunity right here. Whether you're online, whether you're in the building, we're going to give you that opportunity this morning. I believe this is such a God moment. I believe that this can be a start of a new life. Bible says that all things will pass away, have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Family, can we bow our heads this morning and close our eyes? Let there be no movement in this place this morning. We want to give a friend the chance, that, that opportunity of an honest moment with Jesus to make that decision for him. In a moment, I'm just going to give a count of one to three. And I invite you, if you're saying, yes, this is me, I want to make the jump. I want to make the decision. I invite you to just put your hand on your chest and say yes. Come on, one, two, three. Say, I want to make a decision for Jesus right here. I don't want to live far from him anymore. I want this to be a start of a new life. I want this change off me. 
want to break free into a new life with Jesus. I don't want to live far again. One, two, three. Come, just put your hand on your chest. Whether you're online, do the same. Put your hand on your chest. If you're in the building, put your hand on your chest. It's a new beginning. It's a fresh start. It's a whole new life. The old is gone. The new has come. And family, we're just going to say a prayer together. This is a family. This is not a crowd. And we're going to say a prayer with you. If that's you this morning. Thank you. I see you. I see you in the building. Thank you. It's a whole new life. It's a whole new beginning for you. I'm going to say that prayer together. We believe. I want to stand with you in this new life that you're in. Can we say a prayer together, family? Heavenly Father. Thank you because you made a way for me. Thank you because you made a way for me. To come to you. I believe with all my heart. And I confess with my mouth. That Jesus died on the cross. And he was raised back to life. So that I can be raised to a new life with him. Today I stand in that confidence. That I am a child of God. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for giving me new life. I am yours. Thank you for a fresh start. Thank you for a new beginning. I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Can everybody shout a huge amen? Come on, family, let's celebrate this. Come on, can we give God praise? Somebody has stepped out of darkness into light. Come on, family. Can we give a shout of praise? Can we give a shout of praise? It's a new day. It's a new dawn. It's a new beginning for somebody here online in the building. Woo! It's a new beginning. Glory. Hallelujah. New life. New life. Wow, I can hear the sound of something new. It's a new beginning. It's a new beginning. Somebody just stepped from death into life. Hallelujah. We give you praise, God. We thank you, Jesus. There's nothing more beautiful than the resurrection from death to life. There's nothing more beautiful. Glory. Now, if you're in the building of your online, well, for those in the building, if you made that decision, welcome to the family. We're glad to have you. I said in the first service, I have regrets in life, but I will never, ever, ever regret that day. When I said, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. It made all the difference. It made all the difference. We can look like we have it all together, but if not for Jesus. If not for Jesus. You know, so if you make that decision, the people just after the service, they'll be at the door waving a fresh life devotion. Now, we want to help you take those first steps. I'm so excited for you. It's the start of something new. It's the start of something. So we want to help you. Just take those first steps into this beautiful new life with Jesus. If you're watching online, up on your screens as well, you would have all the details. Again, we want to just usher you, just help you to take those first, first steps. Can we just welcome them again, family? Can we give a shout of praise again to God this morning? We are so honored to have been able to share this teaching message with you from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We really hope you found it to be a blessing. To find out more about us or how you can receive more resources from our church or our pastor, Tolulokpemudi, please visit our website, www.sycamore.church. That's S-Y-C-A-M-O-R-E.church. Or on Facebook and YouTube at Sycamore Church and on Instagram and Twitter at Sycamore underscore church. 
If you're ever anywhere around us, we'll be super honored to welcome you at one of our services. We're so excited to share this teaching message with you from Sikamo Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We believe God knows you and loves you, and through His Word, He expresses His plans and purposes for your life. We hope that you open up your heart and really sense God speak to you through this message from our pastor, Tolulokwe Mudi. Let's get right into the service and be blessed by this message. Dress the part. So before you sit, help me look at two, three people around you and tell them that dress the part. Dress the part. Dress the part. If you've done that, you can be seated this morning. All right. Um, so so, so let's start by asking, have you ever, have you ever really like dressed the part and you were just proud of yourself? Like, you know, you dressed up, you went out and you just re- genuinely felt fly. You know, um, and proud, proud of yourself. Um, or maybe on the flip side, maybe you didn't dress the part and you did feel ashamed, you know, um, showed up for like an event, an occasion. Um, maybe they told you you were on campus, you were about graduating and they said something like finalist dinner. And you just said, this food we're going to eat. And so you just, you just went, you just wore slippers, you know, and you just got there and you were just wondering why, you know, people um, are, are doing all of this. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe it was just like, good church stories, maybe you just had a church crush, and um, you came to church, um, and you just found out that you were both wearing the same color, <laughs> and it just made you feel happy, you know, uh, but there's this one that happened to me, I went for a wedding, and you know, I genuinely, maybe don't even, uh, uh, so you know the whole thing of um, colors of the day, and things like that, I really just don't look at it, um, if, if I look at it, it would be to avoid it, you know, um, not to comply, um, but, but maybe you went for like an occasion, and you know Yoruba weddings, uh, there's the cloth of friends from secondary school, they have their color. There's the one of neighbors of mommy, you know, and all of that. And then, you know, I just got to this wedding, put on, you know, it's not like I have many options, but <laughs> put on, you know, my wedding attire, and, you know, got there, and um, just saw that I was exactly the family of, <laughs> and all of that, and, um, and so, you know, just uh, messes it up. So sometimes things like that, they're like, ah, oh, the, oh yeah, come and let us, uh, you know, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, but, but the, the big idea is that I think dressing is a huge identity statement. Um, uh, maybe some motivational speakers told you before that the way you dress is the way you be addressed, you know, and, and things like that. Yeah, but, but evidently it's a big identity statement. Um, to a large extent, it reveals, it reveals a lot about us. We leak ourselves by how we dress, right? Um, it reveals personality. Um, or maybe, maybe it gives away things like culture. Um, that's just generally speaking, right? It gives away culture. It gives away identity. It gives away, um, you know, social status. Um, or, or things like, you know, maybe even career line. Um, you know, you see a doctor... Um, well, no, that's not the addressing. Stethoscope is not addressing. <laughs> you see a farmer coming from farm. You know, like there are some people in church that when I see them coming from their farm, uh, you know, hi. You know, it gives away what they do. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, I also think that in some sense, it even gives away, you know, just mental balance. Um, 
or imbalance, you know, stuff like that. Kind of just gives it away, you know, state of your mind, you know, season of life you're walking through, you know, things like that. Like, what happened, right? Um, but, but there's a lot that goes into dressing. People work hard um, to um, just match up, to, to think it through, um, to live up to occasions, you know, just to be what you believe about yourself, um, um, even beyond just the clothes, you know, think about how people, a lady wears makeup, you know, to just make up for what is missing in, you know, I'm joking, right? But a lady wears makeup, right? Or you wear jewelry, like, you wear all these things, you wear perfume, you know, spend them in the first place, there are some perfumes you spray, there are some you wear, you know, then, then you call, you know you have worn perfume, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? Um, um, so, you know, we do all of that. And, and, and there's a lot in scripture that shows dressing to be a huge identity thing. Um, give you examples. Um, in Jeremiah 52 and verse 33, there's this scripture about a guy called Jehu, Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim. Um, and the Bible says these words that he changed from his prison garments. And just hold it there. That there are garments that he has. Why do you have it? Because of a prison a prison thing. The Bible calls it prison garment. So it's like the identity of a prisoner, a locked up person. And the garment comes with it, you know. Um, it, it was the same thing that happened with Joseph when Joseph was taken out of prison. The Bible says he changed his, his prison garment, right? Um, so sometimes the garment in Scripture is just an identity statement about a season of life. You know, um, you know think about prison as a place or a season or, you know, just that bondage and that there are garments to it. Um, again, in Mark 10 and verse 50, you, you read about this blind man. He, his name was Bartimaeus, and he's calling Jesus and saying, you know, um, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, come. But the Bible says this words in verse 50, that throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. There was something about Bartimaeus running to Jesus that had to do with letting go of a garment that kind of typified that begging life. You know, um, the, just who he is. There was a garment to it. There was a garment to that beggarly life that the Bible says he threw away to come to Jesus. Um, again, Proverbs 7, verse 10, famous one, it talks about the attire of a harlot, um, that she met him with a crafty heart, and what he calls the attire of a harlot, that there is such a thing as attire of a harlot. You know, a harlot's attire, um, it, it instigates fire um, and sexual desire. Um, 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 but, but let's go down that line. But, but yeah, yes, the, the Bible says the attire of a harlot. Um, so whatever that is, the Bible is basically saying that there's something about seductiveness that has a garment to it. Not garment, cloth. You get what I'm saying, right? Um, in Exodus 28, verse 2, the Bible is 2 to verse 4. The Bible is talking about Aaron and all of that. And he's saying you shall make holy garments for Aaron. He's talking about the garments of ministry. Of, you know, there's priestly garments. You know, um, holy, what God's holy garments. So we're coming from halot uh, uh, attire to holy attire. Glory to God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Okay. Um, why are people getting tense? I'm not calling anybody out this morning, okay? Don't, don't be tense. Yeah, just say, hey, it's not holy or halot. Uh, that's for you to settle in your, in your heart. All right. Um, yeah. Again, in Genesis 38, um, and verse 14, the Bible is talking about this woman who was a widow. And it says she took off her widow's garments. Her widow's garments. That there was a garment that was on her because she was a widow. Again, like you face a life challenge and how, you know, just like an identity thing. That, oh, you're a widow. Wow. Because you have this garment on kind of a thing. 
So again, looks like a season of life and all of that. Genesis 37 verse 3 um, is talking about Jacob putting on his son. Um, Jacob loved Joseph and he gives him what the Bible calls a coat of many colors. You, you know all of that, right? And, and this that Joseph had was a symbol of the favor of his father. Um, that He has a garment that typifies his father's favor on his life. So it's this thing of my father loves me and this is the garment for it. You know, and all of that. But as I'm thinking about um, dressing the part today, because that's what um, I really want to get to um, today. Well, I'll get somewhere. But as I talk about dressing the part, I'm thinking about, you know, maybe the difficulty that we've had every here and there in dressing up. I'm sure the guys can relate to this a little more than maybe the ladies, I think. Um, that, you know, you want to dress up. You want to, um, you know, to, to go out, come to church, things like that, or go wherever you're going. And it's this whole conversation of um, what to wear, um, what to wear. Uh, maybe not so much what to wear, how to match things. That's really where I'm going, how to match things. So um, what usually happens, what I find usually happens is that you start out with a given. So you have a given, and then you are trying to, to build on a given. So you can have a given like, ah, uh, this is the shirt I'm wearing tomorrow, right? Then you're now trying to figure out, okay, the trouser for the shirt, or the skirt for the shirt, um, or you know, or um, or the shoe, to that can still go. Sometimes the giving is the shoe. You're like, um, this is the shoe I'm wearing. Then you now start to build up from there. Does this make sense? Why are you people making me like, good? So so you start to build. You have a giving, and then you start to build. For ladies, sometimes the giving is their handbag. I'm taking the wine bag. Then you now start to figure out, you know, things like that. Um, for some, it's the jewelry that is the given. But the idea usually in dressing is that there's a given, and then you now start to build um, from there. Yeah, good. So that creates the tension, maybe especially for guys, because if the given is like a purple shirt, you can't wear blue jeans. Well, maybe you can't. I don't know. You guys, that's the point. We don't know, <laughs> you know, basically um, what the given is. Um, uh, but these days, you know, people do a lot of interesting things. Um, yeah, is this conversation about dressing helping anybody? <laughs> Good. Have you received like some points today? Have you been blessed? Fantastic. Um, that the widow garment in my life, <laughs> garment of prison, you know, and stuff like that. Okay. So basically, um, um, these days, you know, people do all kinds of things. So in those days, I used to think if, for example, you want to wear a bada, that means that you have to wear a dress shoe, you know, something like that. But these days, you wear a bada, you wear trainers, it's tie, you know. Or you wear suits and wear trainers, white trainers, you know, just um, things like that, right? So people do all kinds of things. Or sometimes people just mess it up, and then they just say that it's color blocking, you know, uh, and things like that. Right, good. So um, I think that um, if we have the given, then we now start to try and figure out the rest. So, for example, you have a job interview, um, and you want to dress formal. So... Um, um, does this look good for the part? What? Is that wow, like wow, wow, or wow? What if we kind of add a face cap? <laughs> you know, um, okay, let's, let's try that. If that doesn't work, uh, let's see. I'm sure this will work. Pretty sure this would work. Um, it's just, basically, I hope that by the time you leave church today, you will just have inspiration about your Monday morning. That's the point. We want a word on Sunday that changes our Monday. <laughs> that changes it for good. How about this? What do you guys think? 
So the, the big question, usually, if you're trying to do this, I think the big question will be, what is the given? So if the given is this, then you now say, okay, where's my white vest? Right? White is always a lifesaver, right? Uh, you know, if you have this, have it white. All right, so if that's the given. But if the given is probably the shirt, or sometimes if given is the skirt, then you have to work it up. You, you get what I'm saying? Does this make sense? Yeah? Sometimes, you know, the given is a sweater. But the problem is the weather is not even cold. <laughs> you know, Sunday morning, you know, Sunday morning you had planned that Sunday is this hoodie, you know. But it refuses to rain on Saturday, you are so afraid. I will read, you will read, you will read. There was one, there was one time my wife, you know, I told her there was one, I, I got this hoodie that I wanted to wear. So I, 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 it was really thick, right? The weather was cold. So that's, I just wore it. And then, I think it was as we were going, my wife was looking at me that, I think as we were going that day or so, it started raining. It rained like throughout service, my wife came, I fear you. I said, yeah, we orchestrate the weather. Uh, I wish I can tell you it always works that way, but sometimes, you know, you, you just find how foolish you look, right? So it's, here's, here's, what I want to, here's what I want to try and preach this morning. In some way, I want to say that, you know what? Um, God has given us a given. If you think about dressing and who you are as a Christian and your identity about dressing, God has given us a given. So my question this morning is how to match the given. How do I dress the part that matches the given? Um, so so if, if I told you that what Jesus has done for you is a given, if I told you that there's a Savior who has done his part and it is a given, how does that affect you in how you try to match it? What does the style look like? What does the color look like? You know, sometimes you're giving it the face cap. So, you know, a suit is not going to go. Please, it shouldn't go. You know, sometimes people need to know this. You know, you're giving, you get what I'm trying to say, right? That, that how does, what the giving is, how does that affect um, or influence? So in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10, let's walk some scriptures and get to where I want to get to. In Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10, uh, he's saying, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. You know, uh, God says, I've given you a garment of salvation. I've given you a robe of righteousness. And my question today is, what goes with that? What matches that? He says, I've given you a garment. Look, it's a given. I've put it on you. A garment of salvation, a robe of righteousness. So what matches it? What looks like that? You know, as we start to work out the options and we say, you know, you know the point we really have to get to. And sometimes this is what we need to advise ourselves as Christians and as friends, all right? That some things don't go. You know, sometimes you're going out of the house and as you just keep, catch that last glance at the mirror, you just, sometimes you just have to be honest enough with yourself and say, no, no I wanted to, but, <laughs> you know, you get what I'm trying to say? Some things don't go. If God says, look, I've given you a robe of righteousness and a garment of salvation, what I'm asking today is what matches what God has done in our life? What's the kind of life that I would live that matches the garment God has put on me? What's the kind of dress sense I will carry? How will I dress the part of the life that God has given to me? So things don't go. It just doesn't go. It just doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't go. So, so let, me, let, me, let me try and break this out. Um, so, for example, for some of you, you know, when you're dressing the part, it's not just about what we see. 
It's even about what we don't see. Like you start it from your underwear. It matches. Okay. Color of the day starts from underwear. As in, it, right? Don't be afraid to say yes. I'm not going to ask you to come out and show us. We won't. This is... But... Okay, 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 okay. Don't let's think about underwear, right? But the point is, it's not even just about the scene. Um, dressing is not even just about what we see. It's also about your socks. You know, cleanliness. But don't let's talk about that today. We're going to talk about that. I've said that. You know, don't let's talk about it, right? But it's not really just about what we see. And as I was thinking about that, honestly, I think that, you know, when we're talking about God putting a garment of salvation and a robe of righteousness on us, I'm thinking about the kind of spirit that would match what God is doing in my life. I'm thinking about the kind of spirit I would have that looks the part. Listen to Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 3. It says to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Look at this, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of the Lord, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. The Bible is talking about, you know, and this is the same chapter. It's talking about God giving you garments of righteousness and all. And then he just throws it in somewhere that, you know, there's something called a spirit of heaviness. There's something called a spirit of heaviness. And what I want to say to us this morning is a spirit of heaviness doesn't match this thing. A spirit of heaviness doesn't match that sense of God is at work in me. A spirit of heaviness doesn't look like the grace of God that, you know, just going around with this thing. And I know it's not seen. It's just somewhere on the inside, but, but like a heavy spirit, you know, just this slow down spirit, this heavy kind of spirit. It doesn't match the colors of grace. It doesn't match the colors of the robes of righteousness. It doesn't match the colors of the garment of salvation. This spirit of heaviness that is just heavy-hearted about everything, you know. Monday morning, I'm just depressed. And Tuesday, I'm just going through things. I'm just, it's just the spirit of heaviness. I'm just, I'm just in one of those times in my life. It doesn't match the colors of the grace of God. How does it look to you when you say, I'm wearing the garments of salvation and, and the robes of righteousness? What kind of spirit matches it? Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, you know what you learn to do? You learn to put on a garment of praise. A garment of praise is what looks like the robes of righteousness. A garment of praise is where the colors of what God is doing in my life come alive. I'm like, if God is this gracious, then I should have a garment of praise. If God has done this much in my life, I should be responding with a garment of praise. It matches the colors, people. It looks like it. It's the expectation that if you have this color on, then you should have that color on. And I'm saying to us today that some things just don't go. A kind of heavy-spirited, spiritedness just doesn't go. Let me ask you today, what's your vibe? What's your vibe? What's the vibe about your life? If I could bring like a, you know, like a, like a vibometer and just check your vibe. What's the kind of vibe about your life? What's the temperature of your vibe? Does it kind of carry a temperature of what grace is doing in your life? What's your vibe? You know, Christians, we can just go about like, yes, oh, God is good, but who? I'm just going through things. Ah, yes, oh, God is faithful, but who? I'm just hopeless. Ah, yes, oh, God is, is good all the time. Who? What's your vibe? Does it match the colors of grace? A spirit of heaviness does not match the colors of grace. A spirit of heaviness that, listen, you know, you're going to be making dressing choices. This is what I'm going to say, people. There is the garment of righteousness that God puts on us. There's the robe of righteousness, the garment of salvation. There's the working of God's grace that is a given that he gives to us. We can choose to be dressing to match what God has given us or to be matching the seasons of the world. 
and the seasons of our lives. Do you know how we can carry an attitude that is simply matching the colors of what's going on in the world? You can carry an attitude that is matching the colors of what they said to me. And I can carry an attitude that is matching the colors of what people are saying these days. The reason why I'm afraid is because of what has been going on lately and what everybody is saying. Listen, there is no fear in the garments of salvation. There is no fear in what God is doing in my life. The grace of God is all sufficient. It doesn't match when I'm carrying a spirit of fear. It doesn't match it. That's why you're hearing me this morning. What goes with this? And I think about the kind of spirit I want to have and the kind of vibe I want to have about my life. I want to have a vibe that is willing. Listen to Psalm 32 and verse 9. It says, Psalm 32 verse 9, I hear the Lord say, I will stay close to you, instructing you and guiding you. Uh, just run. It says, so don't make it difficult. That's verse 9 there. Don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Let me tell you something. If God is putting a garment of grace on my life, guess what? I think I should be responding with a willing spirit. There should be a spirit that overflows with willingness and with, you know, joyfulness. Like, I'm excited about what God is doing in my life. You shouldn't have this, like God is forcing you, uh, you know, God is in this. God says, see, 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 don't make this thing difficult to. Don't make it difficult to. I'm looking at someone next to you. Say, don't make this, don't, 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 don't make this thing difficult. Don't make this thing difficult. No, don't make this thing difficult. We want to be gracious to your life. Don't, why are you making it difficult? God says there should be this adventurous, just come with me. I take you where you've never been. Like, whoa, what's the next beautiful day? Like, that's the kind of spirit you should have. God says don't make it difficult. A stubborn spirit. God, God has been giving you an instruction for the last five years. You are considering obeying. A stubborn spirit does not match the colors of grace. It does not match it. Must be exchanging and saying, I'm not going to carry a heavy spirit. I'm not going to go around the whole thing of, yes, there's grace. Because that is the given. That is the given. There's a given. Don't drop the given. You know when, when, when you say, oh, it's, it's looking like it's getting complicated. No, that's the given. Keep the given of what God has done for you. Don't lose the given of what God has done for you. But how do you match it? How do you exchange it? That's what it says in Isaiah 61 verse 3. It says, take on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Listen, at some point or the other, the truth is that in life, that spirit of heaviness is going to get on every one of us. It's going to come creeping at your door. You're going to wake up and the devil has just sent you a WhatsApp message about five reasons why you should be depressed. And, you know, he has just also insta messaged you, even in your Facebook message that you don't even check. You just saw a lot. I went to check and Satan just said, you know, today is a day of sadness. But the Bible says you can make an exchange. It says, take on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Every time I take on a garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness drops off. They don't go together. They don't go together. Every time I make one more choice to say praise on my lips, heaviness goes off my heart. Every time I make one more choice to say praise on my lips, heaviness goes off my heart. The Bible says it's an exchange. It's an exchange. Take on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Don't wake up and sit down in that thing that I just because of the times that I'm living in. No, no, no. There is no justification. It's because of the season of my life I'm going. There's no justification about it. It says a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Can we do that this morning? Can we take a praise break? Does anybody just feel like does anybody just feel like I need one more praise? One more praise. Wouldn't let no heaviness get my heart. The world may have its issues, but I've got a praise. Listen to what I want to ask you today. I want to ask you, do you have a praise that matches the colors of God's grace towards you? When you think about how gracious and open-hearted and generous and loving and faithful God is to you. Do you have a praise that matches the colors of grace? Ah! 
You know, somebody walks out and you say, uh uh-uh, uh, but why are you wearing this trouser now? Did you realize the color of the shirt you are wearing? Uh uh-uh. uh. You wore red shirt now. Why did you not wear yellow trousers? Uh, like, did you realize the color? Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't want to be that kind of Christian that you look at my praise and it doesn't look like the color of the grace. I want to be the kind of Christian that when they look at my praise, ah, oh no, God is that good to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, somebody, would you give God a shout this morning? Hey! Hey, see, Christians, we need attitude, though. We need attitude. There's a kind of Christian attitude. And God, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's wrong with you? I said there's grace on your life. Everybody, the, the problem is for the last two years. You don't wait, 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 but the last two years. I said there's eternal love on your life. Do you hear what I said? Eternal love. He has loved us with an everlasting love. You're complaining about two years. Two years. Two years. Christians, I'll say it again and again. Don't let's be unfortunate people. Let's be unfortunate people. Let's match the colors of grace. See, a heavy spirit is color riot on the colors of grace. It's color riot. It's not going. It's not going. It's not style. It's not going. It's not the kind of person I am. It's not going. It's not matching. A heavy spirit. Every day of your life, you're just, what's wrong with you? I want to thank the grace of God. When I lift my hands in worship, when I'm expressive, what's wrong with you? That's what is wrong with me. I'm matching grace. I'm matching grace. I want to praise that matches grace. Glory to God, everybody. <laughs> wow. I'll tell you one more. I want a faith eh, that looks like there's grace towards me. I don't want a faith that is apologetic. We don't even know. Uh, I've been trying to trust God. I want a faith that looks like there's grace. Like, like God is gracious. I want to be full of faith. I want a faith that matches the colors. Of the grace of God. Amen, anybody? Amen. Come look at somebody. Say, dress the part. Dress the part. Dress the part. Look for somebody else. Say, where's your vibe? Where's your vibe? Where's your vibe? Where's your vibe? Walk into church at any time. Like, ah, I even made the service. Where's your vibe? Where, where were the days when you'll be waiting outside the door for the doors to open, for the service to start? I can't wait to be in the house of God. Dress the part, oh, dress the part. Psalm 32 verse 9, in other translations, it says, don't be like a horse that they will be pushing. Don't behave like a horse. Don't be unfortunate. I just like that word. <laughs> don't be unfortunate. Let us do what Napoleon has never done. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, right? Let's dress the part. Let's dress the part. Dress the part. Psalm 100 verse 2, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. It's not enough to say we are serving God. No, no, hold that. Serve the Lord with gladness. How often are you serving the Lord with madness? Serving the Lord with sadness? He says, serve the Lord with gladness. Where's your gladness, somebody? Where's your gladness about serving God? Where's your gladness about being a Christian? Let me look at somebody and say, where's your gladness? Where's your gladness? Serve the Lord with gladness. Sit down, let me get past the introduction. That wild sarcastic. <laughs> Serve the Lord with gladness. How I want you to leave church today thinking is I want a life that matches the colors of the grace of God. 
I don't know color riot. It's not style. It's um, you know you know when you dress up, you go out and dogs are barking. <laughs> you know that guy of dress. That is not what it looks like. Uh, God is good. You are sad. Dogs are barking. Huh? So I want you to go out. Think about your Monday morning. Think about going to work. I know if you want to wear clothes to match the attitude of your employees or your employer, I know. Uh, I know. But we want to match the grace of God. Hmm? Yeah. I know if you wear clothes to match what's going on in this country. <laughs> you just wear confused clothes. That's all you need to do. Imagine. Just wear confused clothes. Yeah. Uh, there's a given. And because there's a given, I can match. You know, it's different if I'm trying to have a faith. Like, ah, I want to believe. I want to. No, wait, wait, wait. There's a given. There's a savior who stretched out and re- released grace. So therefore, I can respond. You're right. There's a given. That's the empowerment. <laughs> Dress the part. Dress the part. Dress the part. A Christian is not just a title we carry. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. Like I said, the right spirit. David says, David says in Psalm 51, he's praying, he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. It's not, it's not just about having salvation. There's a joy of salvation. There's a joy that you should not lose. Don't lose it. Dress the part. Through every season of your life, dress the part. Um, so, first of all, I've said, does our spirit match the part, the colors of the grace of God? Second thing I would ask this morning, does my behavior match? Does my behavior match? Does it look like, you know, the grace of God? So, in Colossians 3, let me just take a walk through Colossians 3 from verse 1. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. You know, when you read through the New Testament, there's a lot of this, you know, if, consequence, you know, statements, like if, therefore, if, therefore, you know, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If, it's, it's all over. So you read through the New Testament, and it's, it's therefore, 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 it's all over, right? So it's stating what Christ has done, and then it's creating consequences of what Christ has done. So he's saying, if you have been raised with Christ, like if that's what happened, if, in other words, if you have received the colors of grace in your life, if you have received the love of, of a Savior, if you have received the resurrection life of Christ, like if that has happened, then there is a behavior. All right? Do you get that? Do, come on, do you get that? Right? There's a behavior. So if, then, so if you've been raised with Christ, if I've given my heart to Jesus, and, and all these things, you say, maybe I'm just a Christian, I've not been raised with Christ. No, wait, they're one and the same thing. There's many ways of saying the same thing. I'm raised with Christ. I'm a believer. I'm born again. I am, you know, saved. Uh, right? It's not the same thing. It's either you are or you are not. It's not like I'm on my way to being. One day I met one guy and I said, oh, are, you, are, you, are you born again? He said, it's like I'm on my way. That's where I am. Um, can, can I just remind you? There's no 99% Christian, right? <clears throat> There's no... So, so this conversation is we're in. Or we're not. And so we've been raised with Christ. If we have, we've been raised with Christ. If you haven't in a moment... We'll give you an opportunity in this service. It's a beautiful miracle. Raise Christ. So there's a behavior. So now let's just walk through a narrative. Look at verse 8. Um, and then let's just go. It says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. Right? They're put off. There's, they say, put it off. Like, look at what I am in Christ. 
He says, put up anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. There's a way you talk. And there's a way you don't talk. Out of your mouth, out of your text messages, out of your posts. Right? Come on, come on, come on. There's a way you talk. There's a way Christians talk and there's a way Christians don't talk. He says, it doesn't match. That's what I'm trying to say. You should think about it. You say, I'm just giving people a piece of my mind. It's just a piece of my mind. So I, have to, I have to express myself. It doesn't match. It doesn't match grace. It doesn't match. It doesn't go. That's what he's saying. Put out filthy language out of your mouth. See, listen. Let me, let me tell you honestly, everybody. If you're listening to me today and you say, that's how I've always been. Listen to me. You can either live the rest of your life justifying your past or opening up your heart to God to create a new future. The fact that you talk like that today doesn't mean you should talk like that for the rest of your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? It can be a genuine challenge for you. The same God who worked in you by the power of the Holy Spirit to work all other things can work that. You need to begin to pray and say, God, let the, let the meditations of my heart and the, uh, let the, the thoughts of my heart and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. God, work on me. God, work on me. Wake up in the morning and say, today is a day for, for, for me to speak the words that are right. No, no filthy language is proceeding out of my mouth today. And my words today, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, hold fast to a pattern of sound words. My words today are in a pattern of soundness. You go out and you say, it doesn't matter. You know, so somebody says, I go about, mm. You know, somebody, you're, you're like, you're like, 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 what the, what, what the, what the father has done for me has changed me. <laughs> what do you think I wanted to say? <laughs> yeah. And you start to see God transforming you. Do you know that words are an opportunity to build up, not to destroy? The people in your world should be more encouraged because you can talk. For some of you, the people in your world would prefer that you are dumb. Or that you didn't have data on your phone. The word should build up. Speak the truth in love. If I'm correcting, whatever. Words build up, not destroy. Not tear down. Not tear down. The Bible says that the city is overthrown by the words of the, of the wicked. But by the, by the blessing of the righteous, it is established. Proverbs 11 verse 10. Right? That kind of behavior. It says put off. Put off. Let me look at somebody next to you. Say, which of these things applies to you? Ask somebody. Which of these things applies to you? Stop just staring at me. Which one applies to you? And get an answer. What is the top one for you? Is it anger? Is it rot? Is it malice? Blasphemy? Feel the language out of your mouth. Tell me the top one. Top one. Tell me the top one. Online, I'm asking you. Which one applies to you? <laughs> Don't do <laughs> Answer. <laughs> What's wrong with you? They'll be doing as if we're just, as if the Bible is for others. You know, you know how you sit down in church and you're like, mm-hmm, thank God he's saying it. I hope this person is hearing. It's you I'm talking to. It's you. It's not anybody else. It's you. That's why you came today. It's you. You need to hear. It doesn't match grace. It doesn't match grace. Just talking anyhow. Huh? See some people's status update. Ah, ah. Ah. Number one, number one. A multitude. It's easy to miss your way. Uh, no, that's number one. People that talk too much are more prone to lie. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so, number one, when there are too many, when the thing has just formed chain, like 100, one year, most likely, most likely, not, not as a rule. Anyway, don't, don't. <coughs> All right, excuse me. Um, let me get to where I want to get to this. Oh, okay. Let's get to where I want to get to this morning. Um, 
They say it's um, put off, put off. Yeah, put off. Do not lie to one another, verse 9. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds, you put it off. And you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge. The new man looks like grace. Put on. Let's just go to verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. You know, put on, like, okay, yeah, put all of that off. And then put on tender mercies. Put on kindness. Um, put on meekness, humility, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Can I, can I tell you, forgiveness looks like the colors of grace. Uh, eh? We are forgiven. That's the giving. <laughs> so we should be forgiving. That's, that's, uh, right? We're forgiven is the giving, so we should be forgiven. Does that make sense, right? Good. It looks like grace. So when somebody hurts you and you say, I choose to forgive, it matches what has happened to me. When you have been forgiven and you refuse to forgive, it doesn't match. Eh? It doesn't match. It doesn't match. I just want this thing to sit on your heart. Because sometimes as Christians, we need to know that it's not just something we believe, it's the way we behave. It's the way we behave. Christians are not useless people. I'm sorry if the world has messed up that narrative. Christians are not useless people. Christians are not just that we shall go to church on Sunday. If your Sunday doesn't change your Monday, your Sunday was not genuine. It was not genuine. How do you lift your hands in worship to God and those hands go back on Monday and it doesn't affect how they treat others? Then that worship was not genuine. Christians are not useless people. That a Sunday is just disconnected from everything about my life. No. We need a life that matches the colors of the grace of God. If you're not there in some area or the other, it's okay. But don't justify it. Maybe a drive and a prayer and a working and a desire. You say, I want a life that matches the colors of the grace of God. I want to exchange everything else the devil puts on me um, for that kind of life. So he goes on to say, and let us... Verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Yeah. Peace in my heart looks like grace on my life. You know, peace in my heart. Why is there grace on my life? Uh, the only is anxiety and fear and pressure because of what's going on in the world. That means you are matching the world, not grace. Peace in my heart. I may not know what's going to happen, but I know who holds my life. I may not know how it is going to happen, but I know him whom I believed. And I know that he's able to keep that which I've entrusted to him until that day. Yeah. That's how you live as a Christian. Sit on these things. Don't just come to church, rush in, rush out to go and start another week. Start this week different. This week I am matching the colors of grace. Something different. I told myself at some point, I was struggling. Struggling. Addictions. And I remember telling myself, wait, I can't just be doing... It's either this thing is genuine and it works and it will change my life. This thing of reading the Bible and praying and seeking, is either it is real and it will change my life or I'm not doing it again. But I'm not the kind of person that will, for 10 years I'm sitting there going up, coming down, come back to start, come back. No, at some point something has to change. I need a life that matches grace. I may be on a journey of getting it, but it is not that we are shy, yeah, we come, we jump, we dance, then we go back, same old, same old. He makes all things new. He's that kind of savior. He's able to save to the uttermost. But don't be stubborn. 
Don't be like the horse or the moon that God is forcing, God is pushing a direction. You are, you are, there you are. Some of you need to make hard decisions over your life. There's a way you behave. Let me just say this straight up. Going late to church does not match grace. I'll tell you that. Thank you for saying thank you. Don't justify yourself because of today. I'm saying it as a principle in your life. Whether you are in Japan, you are in Australia, wherever you are, remember I said this to you. I'm not saying it because, see, I love you. So I'll just tell you the truth. Wherever you are in your life, honor God. That's what matches grace. You will not go late for a visa interview. If you do, I have issues with you. Honor God. God says, don't treat me as common. Don't. Don't do that. Match grace. A God that is all abounding to you, you are responding to him like he's just... No, don't do that to yourself. Don't do that to yourself. Honor God. Generosity. Match the colors of grace. It's a privilege to give. It's a privilege to give. Somebody said to me, and he was saying thank you for something I gave. I said, I'm so grateful that I can do this. We give because we have. It's a privilege. I want to match the colors of grace. Put off stinginess. Eh? It doesn't match. God is like this to you. You are like this towards God. <laughs> it doesn't match. There's a God that don't justify it. Don't justify it. Have you gotten to point in your life? Let me tell you something that I did many years ago. At some point in my life, many years ago, there was a desire in my heart to give at a certain level. I couldn't afford it. It became a faith project for me. I desire to give this. I started to pray for it. Tried to pray. So I'm not even praying to have to eat. I was praying to have to give. It changed my life. It changed my life. I started to see miracles. Sunday morning, I'm like, God, I don't yet have what I want to give you. Sunday morning, I would see miracles. <laughs> Match the colors of grace. Generosity matches grace. Amen? Let me look at somebody and say, dress the part, dress the part. Dress the part. Don't color riot. Don't color, don't color block. Don't color block. Dress the part. All right, let me just, let me just try and land on this this morning. So there, there are three things that I find the devil tries to do when, when it comes to a conversation of Christian garments. The first thing is in John 10 and verse 10, that we have a real enemy who the Bible says comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And my screen is off. Anybody help me? The Bible says he comes to steal, to kill, to kill and to destroy. It's a real enemy. There's a real enemy. And I feel like we live in conversations where the devil just tries to, you know, you have that garment and he just tries to take it off us. And sometimes as Christians, we need to be reminding ourselves what it should be so that we're not justifying the absence. It's not okay to live your life without joy. It's not okay to have just lost your peace. It's not okay. It is the devil stealing it. And sometimes you need to ask yourself, where is my peace? Where is the sanity of my mind? Where is the soundness of my mind? God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Where did I get this from? This is not me. This is not who I should be. Don't justify it. Look in the mirror and see this thing doesn't match. This spirit of fear doesn't match the grace of God. There is a real devil trying to steal off you. Sometimes you need to remind yourself and say, no, I'm not taking that off. I'm not allowing him to steal. You know, where's the joy in my marriage? Where's the peace? Where's the life with which I should be living like? Where is, where is you know, there's a real devil trying to steal these things. And, and don't justify the absence. That's what I'm saying to you today. Don't justify the absence. We fight for what God has given to us. We fight for the life that God has called us to. Amen, anybody? Um, the second thing that I think the devil tries to do is that he tries to compromise. He tries to compromise. Um, so he might not take it away, but compromise. Look at First Samuel um, chapter, Second Samuel chapter ten. There's this interesting scripture in Second Samuel chapter ten. Um, 
about, oh, so the devil can't steal, but he would compromise. Second Samuel chapter 10. But you know why the devil steals? It's because he wants to kill, right? He comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. And the reason why he would destroy is because he has killed. The reason why he would kill is because he has stolen. So when he takes away that sense of joy, and then he takes away that sense of peace, and then gradually you start to realize that I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm, this is not me. And, and that, that's how the devil walks in a pathway of destruction. But Second Samuel chapter 10 and verse 4, if you can help me get it on the screen. And let me, let me just show you this interesting scripture. So the, the background to this is that David's men, um, David has this enemy king and blah, blah, blah. And then he sends his servants and there was like friction and tension. So basically, Hanon, this is David's enemy, does this thing. The Bible says Hanon took David's servants. He didn't fight them. He didn't kill them. He shaved off half of their beard. Let me demonstrate that. Philip, come. I'm joking. He shaved off half of their beard. Then he cut their garments in the middle at their buttocks and sent them away. You know what the guy is saying? No, I don't need to fight you. Just cut. Just turn them. Oh, yeah, you done. Cut their buttocks. When you read on in the story, the Bible says that they went to go and hide. David said they shouldn't come. There was shame. There's just this loss of confidence. You think about it. If I do that on you this morning, right? Everybody's going. You say, I'm not going. Let's stand up. I can't stand up. You know, they just, they just know who you should be. Amen. Just cut it strategically. Some of you are like, man, that's fashion. It's not fashion. It is not fashion. Put on their buttocks on their bread. It's not fashion. It's just, it's just what the thief does, what the enemy does. Listen, can I just throw this in? In Mark chapter 5, you know there was a guy that was possessed by what the Bible calls legion. And the Bible says these words that um, when Jesus comes to him, there were three signs of that guy's madness. One was that he stayed in the tombs, in the tombs, that was where he lived. Um, two was that he would use stones and all to cut himself. He would break chains and all of that kind of stuff. Three was that he would tear off his clothes. When Jesus heals him, the Bible says this was Mark 5, I believe, verse 15, that they met the guy sitting by Jesus clothed. In other words, unclothed versus clothed. Hmm? Legion is worrying me. It leads to unclothed. Jesus is healing me. It leads to clothing. Free advice. Don't pay for it. Free advice. That thing in you that is just saying, take it off more, take it off more, drop it lower, take it off more, cut it at the buttocks, cut it on the breast. That thing in you is legion. That thing in you that says, cover it, cover it, cover it. Garment of righteousness is Jesus. enough showing. Interesting used to be about what you cover. Now it's about what you uncover. Compromise. He cuts it at the buttocks and sends them away. So there's just that loss of confidence where you start to query the things that you stand in. Before you just had that confidence about your faith. Now it's just that I'm not even sure it's how the devil just tries to cut it at the buttocks. I'm not even fighting them. Let them. So they go and they are wearing the garments but the garments are compromised. So you show up in church, but the power of what they should have in you, it doesn't have. You do the same things. You open the Bible with a disbelieving heart. The thing that should empower you, you are doubting it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You still have it, but he has caught it sensitively. And then it loses its power. I just want to say today, we don't want that kind of life. We want a life that matches the grace of God. Amen. Amen. And the third thing that I think the devil tries to do is just to stay in it. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 8, he's saying, look, let your garments always be white. And let your head lack no oil. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27, he says that, look, I'm coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. 
There's just something about wrinkling. And yeah, you know, it's there, but it's just wrinkled. It's just messed up. It's stained. It's spotted. It's, it's just, it becomes about self. It's just something in the narrative is just changed. Um, but today, where I just want to encourage everybody, and I'm basically done preaching. But what I want to say is that whatever it is for you, where you are in this conversation, maybe today you need to make an exchange. And I pray you'll be honest enough to do that. Maybe today you need to say, man, you're speaking to me. This is my life. This is where I've just compromised on what I should hold out for. This is where the devil has just taken off the confidence in the same things. This is where I used to have joy. I used to go home every day in my marriage full of joy and all of that. Now I just go home to show up. And it's like something is compromised. But you're still claiming the garments. I have the garments, but he has caught it sensitively. Because if you lose that joy, if you lose that spark, if you lose that vibe, if I put a vibometer on you and it's not reading high, something about your life is being lost. And for people today, I just want to encourage you. Where you need to make an exchange and say, you know what, I'm putting off so that I can put on. And I'm putting off what is not of God. What doesn't match the colors of grace so that I can put on what looks like the grace of God in my life. I'm putting off so that I can put on. I'm laying down so that I can take up. In Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 1, Passion Translation, it says, wake up, open your eyes, beautiful Zion. Look at God speaking to you. Put on your majestic strength. And God is saying, there's a way I expect you to be living your life. He calls it majestic strength. He says, put on your majestic strength. Jerusalem, the sacred city. Put on your glory garments. I still believe that God invites us to this. I still believe that God invites us to live our lives in such a way that we are putting on strength, putting on glory garments, putting on what it means to be a follower of Jesus, living our lives, putting off and putting on, matching the colors of grace in our lives. And Isaiah 52, let me show you in the message Bible. I love this. It says, wake up, wake up. Pull on your boots, Zion. Dress up in your Sunday best. I love that. I love that thought. Because maybe you grew up and you know the concept of Sunday best. Like maybe you don't. Maybe you do. You know, Sunday best. They're just those clothes you don't touch. It's Sunday best. They, it comes out on Sunday. It comes out, you know, um, it, it, it comes out with the feel, with the vibe. You know, you don't use it for anything. It's just, it's sacred unto the Lord. And, and, and he's saying, you know what I'm inviting you to do? I'm inviting you to live with your best. I'm inviting you to put that front foot. I, if today is going to be the last day of your life, would you live with better faith? If today is going to be the only opportunity you had in a church gathering like this, would you live with better joy? If today was going to be the only day you had, all right, just gathering around God's people, would you give it a better food? Would you live with a better vibe? If today was going to be the only opportunity you had to hear a message like this, life-transforming, electric, powerful message, would you listen with, why are you saying no? Is it not? Would you listen with a better attitude? Would you, would you be like on the front of your seat, like, like man, like, yeah, talk to me. Um, it says, put on your Sunday best. Put on, put on, put on your Sunday best. Let me look at somebody next to you and say, put on your Sunday best. Put on, put on your Sunday best attitude. Put on your Sunday best vibe. Put on your Sunday best. Put on your Sunday best on Monday, all right? Put on your Sunday best on Tuesday. Put on your Sunday best on Wednesday. Show up. If, if you, oh, man, are you not blessed to have relationships in your life? Give them your best. Right? Are you not blessed to have people in your world that care about you? Give them your best. Don't be stubborn. Don't be like the horse. Don't let them be forcing you. Get the best attitude. Let's go where we've never gone. Let's live like we've never lived. Let's enjoy the rhythms of grace. Let's put our lives into the colors of the grace of God. Let's give it our best. I want to give it my best. Yeah. Three people clap. You should clap if you are giving it your best. Somebody shout at you. You should shout if you are giving it your best. Yeah. best. Be the last to stop clapping. Oh yeah, stop, stop, stop. But you know what I'm trying to say. Give me your best. Let's have that 
Stop. Give me your best. Give me your best. I want to I want to dress the part. I want to dress the part. Um, let's dress the part. Jesus says in Revelation 16 and verse 15, still come, I'm, I'm pretty much done. Revelation 16 and verse 15 says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. Like, watch. Keep your garments. Don't let it get stained. Don't let it get compromised. Don't let it get stolen. Say, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. We live in a real world. Even a world that tries to take us, it says, watch and keep your garments. Keep your garments. Keep the garments that match the colors of grace in your life. Keep the garments that make it look like what it means to be a Christian. You know, the world has its way of trying to put a rhythm on our lives. I was thinking about how David is standing up to the biggest battle of his life that he had faced at the time. David is going to face Goliath, and I'm landing in just a moment. David was going to face Goliath, and the Bible says these words that Saul, just out of, you know, empathy and love and whatever, Saul says, you know what, let me put my arm on you. Like, like you're fighting a big battle, let me put my arm on you. And David is carrying this Saul's armor, you know, but, but the Bible says these words that it was just heavy on him. Um, it just brings a weight, a heaviness. It's not who I am. And I get why you use it, Saul. I get, you know, there are the systems of the world, and I get why you do things that way. But hear me well. Sometimes as a Christian, it's not about the heaviness of what you throw on yourself and, you know, the analysis and what have you. Sometimes it's about remembering the simple things that God gave to you. Um, sometimes it's not about how wise you are to plan the next five years of your life. Sometimes it's about being faithful with praising God. Sometimes it's not about whether or not you can explain. Do you understand what I'm saying? David basically says this sort thing is heavy on me. And he lets it go. And he picks up a stone and a sling. He's facing the biggest battles of his life. Faithfully holding on to the little things that he has known. That's what some of you need to know this morning. That where the world is trying to invite you into an exchange of, you know, trying to just be world savvy and smart in a generation and all of that. And it's okay, you know, be practical and blah, blah, blah. But what I'm saying to you this morning is, David, don't go to war with Saul's armor. It doesn't match the calling of God on your life. David, get that your sling back. Get your stones back. David, remember the power of praise. David, remember to put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And you came to church this morning and in your mind, you're just seeing a narrative on Monday to Friday and all the different things you need to match up to that you are missing the simple things here and now the simple praise here and now the simple confidence here and now the simple assurance here and now and you may not have the money you may not have all the deals you may not have all the business ideas and all of that but what i'm saying is that there is something about involving god in the battles of your life there's something about a praiser there is something about somebody that involves god and, and says i'll put my passion in the right things there's something about it I just pray today that we are not going to lose the garments we were given because we're out there chasing Saul's armor, Saul's armor, Saul's armor, Saul's armor. Saul's armor is not going to kill Goliath. I promise you, he has a bigger armor, but there's something about the power of what God puts in your life, of what God puts in your hand. And today I invite you, maybe you need to make an exchange. Maybe you need to lay down to take up. Maybe, maybe you need to just come to him today. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, so I advise you, buy gold from me. This is Jesus speaking. Some of you need to just run to him this morning and say, Jesus, I need what you've got for me. He says come buy gold from me come buy gold that has been purified by fire then you will be rich it says also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointments for your eyes so that you'll be able to see this morning i invite you 
Let's make, a, let's make an exchange. Maybe you're living with an identity that has marked a season of your life. I started out telling you about how sometimes there's just a prison garment. It's just, it's just a season that you walk through that has marked you. Or maybe it's a garment of widowhood. It's just who I am, a failure, something that happened. Maybe it's, it's a compromised garment. It's failure that I suffered somewhere that has started to mark me. And I feel like I'm living with that kind of garment, that kind of identity of my life. Um, but today I believe that what started out with Joseph receiving a coat of many colors from his father. And it was a statement of the love of his father, so we thought. But you know, the devil stole it off him. And in that moment, it was snatched off Joseph. I, I think about Joseph running away. And I lost my garment. And I think about how Joseph was just working in his life and going forward and remembering, you know, I once had a garment, but they took it off me. I once used to have this, but I lost it. And you see a pattern in Joseph's life because again, Joseph is in the house of Potiphar. And the Bible says these words, that in a moment Potiphar's wife is trying to get her to sleep with him. And in running away, in standing for what's right, she pulls off his garment again. And you look at Joseph and say, man, you lost it there again. You lost your garment. You lost your garment. Maybe it's just a season. Maybe it's the strain of a season. You feel like it's taking something off you. Standing for what's right. I feel like it's pulling something off me. But I like the fact that it didn't end as a story of loss. But there was loss, there was loss. And I thought, Joseph, when you lost the garment that Jacob gave you, that was the mark of the love of the father. But I just want to say, the love of the father brought the garment. But the love of the father is not equal to the garment. The love of the father brought the garment. The love of the father is not equal to the garment. So they took that garment. But we end in Genesis 41 with Pharaoh putting a royal garment back on Joseph. You can't take away the love of God. Might have lost a season, might have lost an opportunity. Something went difficult, but he is still the God who I can come running to. And then he says, I will clothe you all over again. You made mistakes in your life. You lost things. Listen, he is still that God says I'll put a garment on you. It doesn't have to end as a story of loss or failure, of the compromise of what I lost, of where I made a mistake. Today, we can come running. We can reach out to him today. We can reach out our hands to him. And he says, I will clothe you anew. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Do you receive God's word this morning? Can we clap our hands, somebody? Can we clap our hands this morning and thank a God who loves us this morning? Father, we thank you for the power of your word and I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit is inspiring people. I pray, God, that you're making us conscious of the grace that is towards us, God. Let the colors of grace be so bright over our lives, oh God, that we can respond this morning to who you are. And I thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen, amen. Come on, sing it out this morning.
this morning that you're just speaking to people in a very personal way and let people just see the exchange that you call them to when people need to lay down today God I pray you just make them so aware um, when people need to take up make them so aware but I pray God for people that we're going to walk out of these doors and live through this week with a life that matches the colors of grace God that's what I pray we're not going to be so loved and just live far away from that. I pray for a life that matches the colors of grace. God, make it real to people in various situations. I pray for people this morning that don't know you in a personal way. And as we make an invitation, I pray that the Holy Spirit is just convicting their hearts of their need for you. Thank you for it, Lord. Can we all just stay standing and close our eyes? Somebody came to church this morning and you're not in the right place with God. You know, I don't know who you are, how you came about being in church with us this morning. Maybe you get to come. Maybe you're new, visiting. Maybe you're online anywhere this morning. Really doesn't matter. Um, my question is, can you confidently say that you're in the right place with God? You see, there's only one way you can be in the right standing with God. It's through Jesus. Um, if anybody here today has a right standing with God, it's because we put our faith in what Jesus did. It's because we surrendered to a Savior that loves us. And so... Um, if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, you're speaking to me, I'm not right with God. I want to be made right. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Everybody's standing this morning because we honor your decision. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, how far away you feel you've gone. He knows you. He knows your worst, but he invites you to his best. He's a savior that died with open arms, not with pointing fingers. He's calling you today and say you can come. And, and if you say, you know what, you're speaking to me, I want to be made right. I've never made that decision. Or maybe you have, but as we speak today, you know that you've walked away from it. Um, I'm going to count to three. I'm asking everybody to just bow their, their heads and close their eyes. I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I just want you to put your hand on your chest wherever you are, in this building, online, anywhere. Just give yourself the gift of sincerity this morning. I need Jesus. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. I need a new beginning. I need, I need to put myself in the line with his grace this morning. Are you ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand on your chest wherever you are. 
God bless you. God sees you. God knows you. God bless you. Whether you're in this room or you're online anywhere, just do that. God bless you. God bless you if you're doing that. God bless you. God bless you. I celebrate your sincerity this morning. God bless you. Anybody else want to join in? Just where you are, just put your hand on your chest and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. God bless you. Now everybody with your hand on your chest this morning, I just want you to say these words with confidence, with boldness, knowing that God hears you. I would ask the whole church to join in. This is a family, not a crowd. Whether you're in this building or you're online anywhere, would you say these words together? Heavenly Father, I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come. Through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son Jesus. So I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he's the savior of the world. So I believe he died for me. I believe he carried my sin on the cross. And I believe he was raised back to life. Say, because of Jesus, I am reconciled to God. Say, today, I put my faith in you. I confess you as my Savior and my Lord. Say, I will live for you. I will follow you. Fill me with your grace. Fill me with your spirit. Change me on the inside. And I will change on the outside. And I will say, I'm a child of God. And one day, I'll be with you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. We are so honored to have been able to share this teaching message with you from Sikamo Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We really hope you found it to be a blessing. To find out more about us or how you can receive more resources from our church or our pastor, Tolulokpai Moody, please visit our website, www.sikamore.church. That's S-Y-C-A-M-O-R-E.church. Or on Facebook and YouTube at Sikamore Church and on Instagram and Twitter at Sikamore underscore church. If you're ever anywhere around us, we'll be super honored to welcome you at one of our services.